It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, we got Monday Night Football coming up here on ESPN Las Vegas. This is your home for Monday and Thursday Night Football. That means Cofield and Company runs from 2 to 5 throughout the football season for NFL action coming up at 5 o'clock. Speaking of NFL action, uh, finally a deal between Chris Jones and the Chiefs' new uh, one-year contract. So he'll be back sooner than later. We'll see how effective he is, if he's ready to go in this next game. Maybe a little pressure because the uh, Chiefs fell in the opener against the Lions and didn't look very good defensively. If I'm him, I'm firing my agent. I sit out all this time and you just give me a one-year deal? We, yeah. we haven't gotten the details yet. Yeah, I was going to say it doesn't even matter what the details are unless he got a one-year $50 million deal. Yeah, fully guaranteed. Yeah, like besides not, that. If it's not – if he didn't get like $30 million, then uh, what was the point of sitting out and all this time and missing the $10 million, the first game? I think it's like up to $10 million in fines. But, oh, like, you know, they could maybe get around it. You don't have to pay the fines or whatever. You know, they, they try to do a little chicanery that way. But if I'm him, agent, you're gone. Will the uh, Las Vegas weather make up its mind? What do we got tomorrow? All right, 92. What do we got for humidity? It's been very muggy. Did you notice JVT mocked on my uh, northeast? Humid. Humid. I don't say the H. He got me on uh, Friday, I think. So let's see. Mugginess of 34%. That's pretty humid. Why do I care? Because we're going to be outside tomorrow. At the pool, which will make it better. And we're doing a bikini tug of war. I'm not in it, but that'll make it better. The bikini tug of war. So I can deal with it. <laughs> Steve Sear will be officiating. It's the Steve, Steve Sear summer tour. We stop at the Plaza Pool live show three to six. Um, last year's Tuggers talent, pretty impressive. Very athletic, too. Very athletic. And that's all I look for. And hopefully we can get our web stream working tomorrow. I think we can. A lot of it depends on the Wi Fi signal. You know how these things are. But the Lotus Digital crew will be hard at work setting up the broadcast. So live tomorrow. You guys can come out, too. It's free to get in. Watch the ladies. Watch the competition. High-level competition. Steve Sear Summer Tour 2023. A stop at the Plaza for a bikini tug-of-war. That's tomorrow from 3 to 6. Big four time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. This hour is brought to you by our friends at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Call from anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766-1400. So we just got talking to Steve Kim, who uh, it's, it's hard to put him in a box when I was re-introing him because he's a longtime boxing voice, but he's also an interesting voice as he was referencing uh, his work that he does with uh, Jason Whitlock. And I feel like Steve held back, maybe wisely. He's usually a mad dog, but... The Mel Tucker situation at Michigan State is weird because there is a he said, she said element to it. There's also the backdrop of Michigan State giving, frankly, what was a crazy contract to Tucker for upwards of $95 million. Um, I'm not saying the circumstances are the same, but you're seeing often, Jamon, when schools have a chance to move on from a coach, that maybe they're not exactly pleased with. When something like this comes up, they're like, all right, suspension. Legally, let's look into how the hell we get out of this contract. And the situation I'm talking about is Pat Fitzgerald and Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Like, they moved on that. 
after they got bad reaction on a two-week suspension, they moved on that real quick, and they're like, we'll go to court and we'll deal with it. But we're washing our hands of this and hopefully not having to pay out a whole lot of money. The problem with the, the Tucker situation is he's accused of having some sort of relationship with a woman who is a sexual harassment advisor, expert. She's brought into schools to talk to programs about making the workplace safe. But then what was her end of this relationship? And then that starts to sound like, oh, we're victim shaming. So that's why you're kind of careful in this whole thing. What do you think is going on? It's real murky. I see why Steve didn't want to get into it, because when he says they had a consensual... You read the story that I from The Athletic. <laughs> there was consensual back. phone sex, that in from Mel Tucker's point okay. of view. There was consensual phone sex. So, yes, it's a he said, she said, but in, in all these situations, you do want to give the benefit of the doubt to the victim. So, yeah. for Mel Tucker, how – he said that she grossly mischaracterized it. How? I, I don't understand, you know, because there are some things that I don't see how that's lost in translation. Or even if it is the – who was the comedian that got in tr- Louis C.K. Yeah. Or if someone comes in the room and you're like, hey, is it cool if I do this, but you're kind of making people uncomfortable? Is what you're doing illegal? No, but it's just weird, and we can't have you representing our school or organization like this. And then there's the Art Brile situation. If you're wondering what that is, he was watching the Oklahoma game. Uh, is that is that his father-in-law? Whatever. He's related to yeah. Jeff Lebby, who's the O.C., Uh, He pops up on the field, and he's talking to Lebby after the game, and some people started flipping out. And it's a fair question. Um, Like, when does his punishment end? I mean, personally, I I think I don't care if he's anywhere on the face of the earth. I I think Art Bryles is, like, the example of the worst of the worst of college football coaches. When power corrupts, stuff like Mel Tucker happens. When football and winning at all costs – Happens, it's Art Bryles. Baylor ran, basically, he helped enable a rape and sexual assault culture that was dangerous to all the women on the campus in Waco. Was part of an active cover-up, had a fixer. The ridiculousness of trying to quiet women and victims went all the way up to the top to Ken Starr, which is also very interesting. You know you know your history, you've been around long enough, and you remember the name Ken Starr. Like, I think Art Bryles is the worst of the worst. And also a guy who was on that pulpit going, faith, faith, faith. Like, come on, bro. But, but, does that mean he's banned for life and can't even be around his family and go to football games? If Because he was close to getting a couple of jobs over the years. He was close to getting, I think, a swack job. Uh, it might have been Grambling. Yeah, with Hugh Jackson. That's right. He was going to be the uh, OC for Hugh Jackson. And, you know, if, if a school says, hey, we don't want him representing us, that's fine. He's at a school that he's not connected to and he's watching a football game and then talking to one of his relatives – that, yeah, might be a little, that might be a little too much. Like, what, is he going to be banned from all football games across the country? That's the point with me where I've, I feel like I'm going to be the Arbrow's defender here, but at what cost? Where is it just Division One football? You don't want to see Art Bryles. He can't be associated. If he was just sitting in the stands and then you just caught him on the field after the game, hey, good win, son. I'm assume they also, I'll assume they have a great relationship. He calls him son. He's like, hey, good win, son. You see him after the game. Is it a problem that he's at the game? I don't know what debt to society Art Browse needs to pay because he's never going to coach yeah. again. I I don't know what the restitution here this is, is that he just can't. What? It's his father-in-law, too. It is his father-in-law, yeah. That's a crazy thing. It's, Art Browse is his father-in-law, Jeff Levy. Yeah, he's yeah. married to his daughter. And then uh, Castiglione, the AD at Oklahoma, said, I was just disappointed, or I was just as disappointed as many of our fans 
when I learned of the post-game situation tonight. Situation. Don't don't and don't give me the fake outrage. Disappointed? No, you weren't. I'm not saying that he could have went down that's, there and actually that's a good point. Do you think no one knew that our Priles was there? Exactly. Or when they got called on it, then they were disappointed. You've got to put in calls. I'm not. You know, I don't know if he had a pass or anything, but I mean, you were on the sidelines God. for a big game. You were at the big house. Man. Could I have just walked? Hey, I'm a cofield. Could I have just gotten on the field? The other thing is, weren't we just talking about? Uh, was it Joe Mixon who was shutting out some media members because they had covered some of his sub- summer antics in a way that he didn't like? Oklahoma is clutching its pearls over Art Briles going to one of their games and Joe Mixon, who knocked out a woman in public, was allowed to play again for them? Are we serious? I guess we've turned over a new, new leaf in Oklahoma. We're not what we used to be. Okay. Number three. We are not what we used to be, man. These are tough times for the Nevada Wolfpack. I mean, that is freaking brutal. Idaho comes in and rolls them by nearly four touchdowns. The pack two and 12 under Ken Wilson. Don't start laughing. Uh, Including two home losses to FCS teams. Listen, he came into a rough situation. It's still a rough money situation. He had a coach walk on him. Something happened with the special teams coach. I still don't. That's a weird one. Bear on the soup. It's going to take a while to get out of this. And he's either the guy or you have to make a a quick decision that he's not. Because if he's the guy, it's going to take a while to rebuild this. It doesn't get rebuilt in one year. Who do you bring in if he's not the guy? I don't know. That's the other problem. Who can you you, afford? You start. Yeah, you start making lists and you're like, hey, who, who wants to be a head coach of a a school with expectations, an FBS school with some expectations, and here's $600,000, which I think he's making like five eighty-five. He's the lowest paid coach in, in the conference. But they're getting out of the gates in rough fashion here, and I don't think it's going to be a winless season. I thought they would be able to challenge some people. With that run game we talked about, bringing in a transfer from Oregon and a transfer from Cal, like so far it has not worked. And it has to work. They don't have a choice. Number two. Number two. We're going to have to carry number one over because I got a, I got a few things to say here again about the Chargers. So the Chargers chartered yesterday, which is good for the Raiders, right? I think the Chargers are a better team. They have higher expectations. They got a better roster. But Then who? Then the Raiders. Oh, okay. Yeah. But that was a mess yesterday. Give me the Tyreek Hill touchdown to go ahead. On the go to the end zone. I know Tyreek Hill is really fast, and I know he had rolled up to that point, like 195 yards, something like that. I don't understand how Michael Davis got beat on a fade, uh, again, to a 5'8 receiver, and he never put his hands up. The other problem, and I'm going to play some audio here, you know, people going after Staley. I mean, as a, the guy running the defense, and he should not be running the defense. He should not be calling the plays. I still think that's too much for him. But how much do you blame the coach for Joey Bosa, who was he was dreadful? PFF had him rated as the uh, the second lowest defender. By the way, first-round pick Kenneth Murray is still not coming through. He was the worst. Bosa was never around Tua at, at, at all. The only time he was around him, he face-masked him. He, he reached out with his left hand. He face-masked him. Play 
Here, li- listen, listen to Tua. I think Tua was so in the heat of the moment that he didn't realize how ridiculous a game he just had, and a lot of it was because all these you know one deep passes or short passes that turn into deep passes. Listen to him and Melanie Collins after the game. 466 through the air for you today. Three touchdowns. Tyreek Hill, 466 yards for you today. Unbelievable day. And Tyreek Hill with two touchdowns. What was working so well through the air for you guys today? Well, we just stuck to our game plan. You know, for me, it was just going through my progression, working through my progression, not not trying to make things up out there. And uh, we stuck to that, so it was working for us. It was working for him. And the, the thing about that cut is when she said 466, Tua looked at the side. He's like, what? That much? Yeah. <laughs> That much. And believe me, Chargers fans felt every freaking moment of it because it was 242 in the first and almost 242 in the second. Man, this team defensively, and a lot of this goes to Telesco too. I mentioned the, the first-round pick of Kenneth Murray. Uh, Bosa didn't play well. J.C. Jackson's coming back and has got to get it together. He was the third-lowest defender on PFF. Getting cooked. I like SJD, or, you know, Rutgers guy, but, uh, man, they, they got to beef up the middle, and they're too late now. You know, it's, it's not going to happen now. Um, and, man, the Sharks came out. Um Give me Carlin to uh, Carlin and Joe Fortenbaugh are doing uh, one of the new midday shows on ESPN national. I, th- I thought Carlin went a little overboard. We're going to tease that for after the break. I also want to get to what Shannon Sharp said about Tyreek Hill. Cause he called him the most unstoppable guy he's seen in 30 plus years around the NFL. That's coming up roundup around the NFL. We'll talk about some of the other big victories and big disappointments. Sour is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Give them a call, 766-1400. It was a failure on our part in all areas. You know, we got to coach better. we got to play better. We talked about a lot of the things and worked on a lot of the things that unfolded in the ways that we didn't want them to. And so we go back to the drawing board. We accept responsibility, obviously, for the outcome. Uh, we compliment those guys on the quality work that they did. We absorb the negativity that comes with how we perform today, and we go back to work. we got to prepare them better. they got to play better. Um, and that's just the reality of it. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Mike Tomlin. Demond, did you hate that? I saw people label that as gibberish. Just a lot of nothing. That's what he does. That's coach speak. Listen, when you're a coach and you get your asses handed to you, I just appreciate that they, they get up there, they answer some questions, they're not going to freaking flip out. Like, what else are you going to do? We didn't play well. I didn't coach well. We accept the responsibility of the loss. We're going to try to get better. Ah! I didn't like what he said. What do you want him to do? Freaking throw the microphone, flip over the dais? It's game one. We they made suck, a mistake Pitty. drafting Kenny Pickett. Well, <laughs> I, I still don't 100% believe in him, but that wasn't our problem yesterday. It's yeah. part of the problem, but it wasn't, wasn't the biggest problem. So a defense that is supposed to be pretty good got freaking torched. And not by Debo Samuel, by Brandon Ayuk, who is emerging and had a really big day, and then McCaffrey – Boy, it's funny. Once we get to the season, running backs are real important, aren't they? All we talk about in the offseason is that you're a high-priced running back's never going to win a Super Bowl. It's it's going to happen here because most of the elite teams outside of the Chiefs have a bell cow. I'm rooting for running backs. You can tell. I'm not very yeah, objective on this anymore. The- but, I do, but I do think the Niners have a very good chance, especially if Purdy is this good. 
Niners have a very good chance to win the Super Bowl. I would want them to win just so the narrative, the highest paid running back in the league won a Super Bowl. Just to shut everyone up. That would be, be like, the oh, only it only happened one time. Nah. Yeah, they'd have it happen every year. <laughs> Who's number two in the league? If, if it was, yeah, give me Cleveland 49ers in the Super Bowl. Well, right? Nick Chubb's pretty good. Yeah. I want to get to I want to get to Cleveland in a couple minutes because that defensive effort was crazy. We were just talking about uh, the Chargers and the Raiders, and Raiders have the only win in the division. Chargers are getting beat up by a lot of pundits. Uh, earlier today, in the middle of the day, one of the uh, ESPN national shows, new show with uh, Chris Carlin and uh, Joe Fortenbaugh, was uh, talking about Brandon Staley, and he's become a real easy target for a lot of people, especially outside of the Pacific time zone. Here's Carlin. Brandon Staley is equipped at all to be a head coach. And all I have to do is look at the last couple of years to understand that. If the Chargers are at all interested in saving their season, and I'm saying that after one game, they better decide pretty quickly in the first quarter of the year that they're going to move on. If they're sitting here at 2-2 two and two in a couple of weeks and they've got a road game at Tennessee, a road game at Minnesota, and a home game, home game for Vegas. If you are two and two, and you're going to stay with the status quo, you're just asking for it again. I don't even understand that. That sounds like two and two to me. Three and one would be nice. They just lost to a superpower on offense. They could have, we think, tweaked. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what the answers are for. Tyreek Hill, if it was so easy to defend him, he wouldn't have gone for like 1,700 yards last year. He was ridiculous. And his goal is to go for 2,000. He might get it after an opener like that. But um, I don't even know what he's talking about. A two and two, they're not going to fire Brandon Staley. And the Spanos family is not going to fire Brandon Staley. It's not what they do. They lost a tight game. They lost a tight game. They couldn't defend Tyreek Hill. They didn't come up big when they had the ball with 145 left to go down about 40 yards and get a field goal. Their protection sucked. The other thing I would counter is when you hear the last couple of years, all you need to look at is the last couple of years. You mean two years ago, and they lost some close games, and I know people like Rex Ryan who you know thinks like he's 100 years old, not whatever he is, 70, um, all anti going forward on fourth down. The last two years, they were basically a couple of plays away from taking out the Raiders, right, and making a mess of the playoff picture that year. Last year, they lost most of the offensive line, especially Slater, and Keenan Allen wasn't healthy until like week 10. So they overcame some things last year. And J.C. Jackson, but that's – I don't know. If, if You know what? If I knew that Staley was like, I have to have J.C. Jackson – Let's go, Tom Telesco. I got to have him. Then that might add a little fuel to the fire of people who hate Brandon Staley because that, that is looking like a rough deal. I'm a big Brandon Staley hater, to be honest. But yesterday, I think when, when coaches say you just got to burn the game film, I'm not saying to go that far, but that's, hey, every team's not going to be as good as the Dolphins. Every team isn't going to have two receivers that are running 23 miles per hour that you can't defend where Mike McDaniel's offense, even the way he incorporates Alec Ingold, every team's offense isn't going to be that high-powered. So I'm not saying just, hey, guys, these things happen. No, you said it earlier. Sometimes it's just really good offense. Yeah. And Shannon Sharp uh, led in here on uh, Stephen A. show by Molly Karam uh, just talking about how freaking good Tyreek Hill is. Is Tyreek the scariest player in the NFL? He is. 
He absolutely is, regardless of position. You can take Aaron Donald. You can take any of the defensive players. You can take any of the offensive players. He is the scariest player in the NFL for the simple fact there is no answer for him. You can't double-team him because he can outrun. He'll take the top off the coverage. So I think that the, I mean, the word scary can be used in many different ways. Aaron Donald and Nick Bosa are probably the scariest because uh, they can change games. The most dangerous guy, the, the, most, the guy with the best ability to flip games, is Tyreek Hill. And the Chargers had a really bad day against him. Um, so again, what is it? Is Staley just an idiot and can't draw up a defense? Or is it Tyreek Hill is almost undefendable at this point? Uh, here's Shannon Sharp. Now going back in history about 30 years, comparing and contrasting Tyreek Hill to some of the greats. I've never seen anything in my since I've been playing. Not look, and I go back 1990. He's the scariest receiver. He's more scared than Jerry. I'm not saying he's a better receiver than Jerry, but he's scarier than Jerry right. because he's one of the few men in the history of the game that's been able to take a five-yard route and turn into an 80-yard spectacular. Yeah, so much for the hope that uh, once he got advanced in age, that uh, they just drop off a, a cliff, they slow down. He's not slowing down. And you know, give Tyree credit. I. I now I, I, I don't believe, and I thought last year he was just talking trash, that he was just trying to get back at the Chiefs. Remember last year when he early on he's like, oh, he's like, two is the most accurate quarterback I've ever played with. And people are like, oh, Pat Mahomes. <laughs> I mean, two was awesome yesterday. Can't fumble nine times, but he was awesome. So, I don't know. I don't – I upgrade the Dolphins from that game. The Chargers are about where I thought they were, which is a team that has upside – to be in double-digit wins, uh, I would be disappointed if I were a Charger fan if they don't get 10 or 11 wins. This isn't a terrible loss. Uh, but, you know, their margin for error has been reduced a little bit. And they probably – let me see where the number is now. What do you expect from the Titans this week? I saw it was uh, Chargers 2 earlier today. I'm not going to lie to you. Woo. The Titans, they got to get a win somewhere because I picked them to win the division. It's now 3, by the way. It opened at three. I thought it was down to two, and now it's uh, Chargers minus three, minus one twenty. I might be wrong on that, but I know the, right now the line is three and minus one twenty. I think the Chargers are going to win that. Ryan Tannehill didn't give me any confidence yesterday. Or Tannehill, he looked bad. And Time for the young guys soon. I don't know which one of them I trust. Neither, to be honest, at this point. But Tannehill. When you can't beat out Derek Carr, and I'm not saying that Derek Carr is bad, but there, there's a reason why there was nothing but field goals yesterday. This is going to sound crazy. Last two minutes, you got to make some plays, get into field goal position. Who do you trust the most? Derek Carr, Justin Herbert, Jimmy G. Get me into field goal position? Yeah. This might sound crazy, but I'll take Derek Carr. If all we need okay, is the, just the just the setup, I mean, set up the forty yard field goal. Yeah, his numbers, yeah. his numbers, and coming back for victories. Yeah, you, you didn't say he had scored touchdowns. They're up said, there, yeah. yeah. Well, just that was a, that was the situation Herbert was in yesterday, and he just got avalanched on the what was it two of the last three plays. You know what Brandon Staley should have done, and I texted JVT about it. He should have went for it on fourth down instead of kicking that field goal. That's what he should have did. He let his team down. He, you know, in some ways, and it's hard. It's hard for the guy who's running the defense to go. You know what? I don't trust my defense in any of these situations. I have to. We have to go for it. That's You're the defensive coach, <laughs> so I guess you should know best. But that's what that that first year he goes for it on fourth down, yep, and everyone hated him. He doesn't I, have I the thought stones. that year. I thought that year was brilliant. He doesn't have the stones like Mike McDaniel. He knows when to actually go for it on fourth. I mean, down. you're 
your guy Vrabel did it yesterday. I know it was a fourth and six, but kicking a field goal, two minutes left. I just I hate that relying on your defense to get the ball back quickly with three timeouts. One first down basically does it, or two, as was the case with the Saints. So I brought up Jimmy G because Garoppolo was awesome yesterday. Four or five, this is down the stretch, four or five for 60 yards on that game-winning drive. Defense made a bunch of plays. Broncos fans were shut up quickly. By the way, uh, who, who sent in the message earlier? I've got too many things on my phone here. Is it DM? I'm losing it. Uh, one of our listeners said, uh, I got a DM. Okay. Oh, I've gotten multiple messages like this. So Laverne said, uh, Ugh, please quit generalizing. Not all Broncos fans are intolerable. All right. Some of us have great taste in sports radio shows, and yes, I listen to the Denver stations as well. A girl needs balance. You want you want Laverne's contact? No, I'm okay. Just be responsible with this relationship, please. No, no, uh, no, no. We no. don't want to have to boot you out of your big contract. Um, she uh, responded today, said, not all Broncos fans are pukes with four exclamation points because I said that a bunch of times at the beginning of the show. But I also say it about Packers fans. Steelers fans are annoying. Chiefs fans are intolerable. Patriots fans are unbearable. You guys as well. Jets? Yeah. Uh, we're mouth breathers, no doubt. Any 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 bit of good play, we turn into complete animals. We're actually we're the lowest of the low, Jets fans, because <laughs> we have we're so uncouth. We're, we we really are just animals. Uh the game's coming up here in a half an hour. More uh, NFL roundup. I want to talk about what the uh, Falcons did yesterday and how Bajan looked. Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, we're going to go through the uh, gambling numbers here in about 10 minutes. Get you set up for Monday Night Football, Bills, Jets. Also, look ahead to week number two in the National Football League. It's Cofield, it's DeMond. Reminder, JVT, John Von Tobel's over at Twin Peaks. Uh, the specials are endless. For happy hour and also for Monday Night Football, uh, go check it out. Uh, happy hour goes every day of the week uh, up until 7 o'clock, and then we've got a bounce-back uh, late-night happy hour. But, uh, yeah, big beers in general, 22-ounces are less than 5 bucks. Three ninety nine for Miller Lite and Coors Light, 22-ounces, uh, 17? I think I counted them correctly. 17 shots for – it's not 17 in total. 17 different shots for three ninety nine. <laughs> that would be dangerous. Uh, and great food specials too. So, mini beef tacos, chips and salsa. They basically have apps for a two, four, and six bucks. So, four bucks you get chips and queso, fried pickles. You get boneless wings. Uh, JVT was telling you about the Bone In wing special. Really good local spot. Really good local spot. And as prices seem to be going up at a lot of places, Twin Peaks is doing a good job of holding steady. So John's going to be hanging out there now until six thirty. Kind of want to be there. Are you playing any fantasy football? No. So I uh, I got very excited in one of my drafts, and I got Bajan Robinson, as he told us last week. Well, he actually told us like three weeks ago. Um, it's not Bijan, but he doesn't care if you call him Bijan, so it's kind of weird. But he had an interesting debut. Uh, short goal line situations, Tyler Algiers came in and scored a, co- a couple of touchdowns. But Bajan was awesome on his touchdown. It was a receiving touchdown, and the uh, the dancing and the elusiveness 
was insane. So I'm not going to go crazy because the Falcons beat the number one pick. Panthers are not going to be very good this year. Do the Falcons have a shot? At what? To be, say, 500 <laughs> with Desmond Ritter? Do we have the patience to watch Ritter try to develop? Yeah, they have a shot. we got to see what the rest of that division is looking like. I mean, because Baker got a win. They they had fun. That was a good win on the road against Minnesota. Yeah. You think you think Minnesota's a total fraud from a year ago? I don't think they're a total fraud. Yeah, I don't either. So that was a good win. But I think that maybe Tampa's better than people expect them to be. Maybe. And then Derek Carr, I need to see a little bit more. I know that he's so happy for all of his teammates. He's excited. You know, he's at peace. Maybe he's at such wow. peace that he doesn't try it for the rest of the season. I don't know. We were talking about the Saints a little earlier in the show, and also during one of the breaks, and they uh, they're just waiting now. What is it? Two more games. What do you mean until Alvin Kamara is back? Oh yeah. So keep in mind, I mean that's one of their best, if not their best, offensive player. But real, real quick, the Falcons. That entire division last year was basically everybody was neck and neck. So for them to maybe be five hundred, yeah, that, that's totally plausible. Yeah, I thought the Saints got good play from uh, their backup running back right now, Rashid Shahid. Say that five times. You can't do it. I'm not gonna. But, and I called him backup running back. Two carries for 11 yards. Wide receiver, too. Well, he is a wide receiver, but had uh, five catches, 89 yards, touchdown, 41-yarder. So, Olave had a big day. I guess, would you argue Olave is better than Kamara? No, not yet. Not yet. But he's good. But he's real good. And it looks like he and Derek Carr have a connection. So, again, eight catches, 112 yards. So, good win for the Falcons, that whole division. It looks like it can at least compete to go 500. Like I said, Panthers, eh. Not so much. Really good win for the Rams. And now I wonder what that means for week two as the Rams will host the Niners. Catch an eight. Niners fired up, completely fired up. Do they need to be fired up to beat the Rams? Is it, do they? Can they play games and not be focused? Maybe. They might Maybe. be that good. But I think Sean McVay reminded us yesterday. He's like, hey, guys, I'm still, you know. I'm the I was the, I was the boy genius before all the other boy geniuses. My lord, we don't have time to play the sound, but the Browns just snuffed out the Bengals. Uh, Joe Burrow, eighty-two yards passing, over thirty attempts or thirty attempts. I think it was like the first time since nineteen fifty someone attempted thirty passes and had that low a total for passing yards. Miles Garrett's ridiculous. He was doing some sort of like basketball crossover move. Before blitzing up the middle, and he blew by the left guard so quickly. It's like, he is awesome. God, and he's a behemoth. Cofield and Company presents... Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Tomorrow, we're on the road. Plaza, Cofield and Company. Plaza Pool, upstairs. Good setting. Bikini tug of war. We did it last year. It was a hoot. Damon, sorry. We couldn't get a uh, fill-in back here to produce the show. So, I'll work on it for you next year. Someone's got to, you know, soldier on. Heads, heads will roll. Heads will roll. Miss the tuggers tugging. You are going to miss the tugging. Damn it. But anyway, that goes down tomorrow. 3 o'clock show, 3 to 6 live at the pool. Tug of War starts at 4 o'clock. Free for locals. Come down. Very cool. Very cool. And uh, Plaza is one of my favorite spots downtown. I love downtown anyway, but 
Uh, I'll be down there. JVT will be joining us. Steve Sear, Summer Tour. It's all brought to you by scalpinklv.com. All right, before we head off to Monday Night Football, can I say, first of all, the Jets are wearing sort of an old-school helmet from uh, late 80s, early 90s. Seeing Aaron Rodgers in a Jets uniform in a real game is a little bit weird. Do you care at all, or is it only Jets fans who are kind of weirded out right now? I think it's just you guys. What about Packers fans? Do you think they're real happy? They, Because they, I, I heard all offseason from a lot of Packers fans, they were like, you know, we were just tired of the drama. Where are you? Actually, they're probably euphoric right now because Jordan Love got a win. Yeah, you saw what he so. did yesterday. Nothing's changed. No, you beat the Bears. So what? Not to rain on their parade, but I do like raining on their parade. I do think they were t- they were they were ready to get rid of him. Well, if the replacement is suitable, if he doesn't work out, they're going to be miserable. But maybe Jordan Love is going to be a good quarterback, and maybe Matt Lafleur is a top five coach. He's the reason they lost Devontae Adams. They they should be mad at him enough. Who is? Aaron Rodgers. Why? Because of the pay? No, because it's the will he, won't he. Devontae wised up and said, well, if he's not going to be here, I don't want to be here. You believe that? I believe it. If Aaron said, hey, man, I'm here for another four years, you got me, he's not going anywhere. Right now, the numbers on the Bills and Jets, Bills are two as favorites, minus 115. Total is down to 44.5. Money's pretty evenly split. So, tickets... 52% 52% of them are on the Jets. Cash, 53% is on the Jets. So pretty much a dead betting down the middle game. Uh, before we go through the NFL numbers, we always do this on Monday. First look at college and NFL. I just mentioned college, so we'll get to the college numbers. Uh, UNLV opened two as a dog. Uh, Vanderbilt's now minus four. So a couple of numbers that are troubling for UNLV, and they did just play – the number two team in the country, but uh, two games into the season, one sack. Clearly has to get better than that if they're going to have a winning season and go to a bowl game. Uh, run defense has been tough too. While Bryant wasn't expected to roll him up, they got him pretty good on the ground. And then, ooh, Blake Corum, he's good. 5'8", 213, but plays bigger. And he's one of those guys when he finds a hole – and has some open space, you're like, oh, my God. Someone please someone please make a good tackle, or this is going to go from an eight-yard trip to a 60-yard jaunt. And I was mentioning earlier the, uh, the challenge in this last game, and it'll be challenging again, but Vandy's nowhere near as big as Michigan. There's also, you know, when we talk about size, size is not everything in football. It's the size and the quality of the athlete, too. Because Michigan had their offensive line, it's, every guy was 6'5", 6'6", and I think it was 318 up to like 340 was the biggest guy. But the guy who was 340, when I was looking at him, it was uh, Miles Hinson, number 78. Like, he didn't look like he was 340. Like, I, I was like, wow, he carries that like it's nothing. He was just a giant person, but did not look like a fat ass at 340. That's crazy. And then the great thing is on that team, they, just like a lot of teams, they have double, you know, they use a number for two different players. 78 on offense is 6'6", 340. 78 on defense was a guy, uh, who was 6'3", and 339. 
again, playing defensive line, and then they had a, a kid from Servite in Anaheim, another lineman who was 6'3 and 318. And again, it's not all about size, but at some point you're like, my God, talk about some wear and tear. Your other line was 6'5, 315, 6'6, 320. Oh, the short guy, 6'2, 301, 6'6, 322, 6'6, and 340 pounds. So Vandy, some people are saying only giving four to UNLV. What do you think of that one? Real quick, I do want to say you yep. and Adam were right about the number thing. Speaking of numbers and guys on the defensive line, yeah, Colorado had a guy wearing 88 <laughs> on the defensive line. I just looked him oh, up, 6'4", 295. I love But it. I looked at him and I was like, like that's, the biggest, that's the biggest 88 I've ever I seen in my life. so awesome. <laughs> I saw multiple guys over the weekend are wearing like freaking 14, 17, playing the defensive line. Uh, Michigan had an edge who was 6'6 six, six and 317. He was wearing number 17. I'm like – God dang, that is a tall wide receiver. I'm like, wait, he's a defensive end? Their their punter, a kid Doman, was like 6'4", 220. Like, this is ridiculous. But crazy. It's crazy. Power 5 measurables at the highest level at Michigan are nuts. And then the other thing about Michigan is you start looking at the roster and you're like, oh, Connecticut, Maryland, California, Hawaii. Like, it's just they get guys from everywhere, just like Alabama, just like Ohio State, just like LSU, just like Georgia. Well, you, well, hopefully we get the coach back soon. But going back to UNLV, speaking of Hawaii, the f- fact that they were able in that first game to be very competitive with Vanderbilt, yeah, I do think that maybe UNLV has a chance. Well, they have a chance. They're only uh, four-point dogs, if you believe the odds makers. Uh, Nevada is catching 28 at home against Kansas. Now, could – College kids, Friday? college kids could can be emotional and less than focused sometimes. Um, could this be just a simple look past spot? Maybe. I'm sure Kansas is not going to have a lot of respect based on the numbers so far for Nevada. But if that's what I'm selling, that's not a real good case for a close game. Like, hey, they might not be fired up for you. I don't know, man. They look well. I know that was a you know a conference game. Kansas Which one? looked good. Kansas, yeah. Not conference. Big Twelve, Big Ten against Illinois. Oh, that's right. But excuse me, sort of in the same area. But yeah, they rolled them up pretty good, and then Illinois got it to what thirty four twenty three. I think was the final um, NFL numbers that interest me. Packers are favored on the road, one over the Falcons. They shouldn't be. No, wrong team favored. Well, since I'm rooting on Jordan Love's downfall, I've got to say this. <laughs> Uh, Lions are laying six against the Seahawks. That feels big to me. I wouldn't overreact to the Seahawks having a not-so-hot game against the Rams. Yeah, Gino didn't show me enough. You're deep in thought. Well, he showed you a lot last year. I mean, don't write him off after one game, 112 yards passing. But he, I'm, I'm sorry, but Gino, he just didn't show me enough. Like, I expect him to go out and win that game. Yeah. I'm not saying I let I'm not like a – Gigantic Geno fan. I, you know, tug at the heartstrings as a former Jet. Never got a chance or couldn't take advantage of the chances he got. Uh, Bengals are three and a half against the Ravens. That's an interesting number, especially with the way the Bengals looked on offense. Although the Ravens didn't look great on offense either. We know their defense is going to be pretty good, barring injuries, which are starting to get beat up already. I kind of liked the Ravens' offense yesterday. Wasn't, you did. Wasn't the best, but from what I saw, no. all I needed to see was a couple of, res- a couple of catches from the receivers yeah. that made me say, hey, that's better than anything he's ever had. Giants are four and a half at the Cardinals. Did the Cardinals show enough to everyone yesterday that they can be decent, or are the commanders just not very good? I don't know what to believe. 
Uh, I would bet the Cowboys right now, if you can, I don't. I think it'll be pulled off the board here in a second. Cowboys are three at home against the Jets. Yeah. I hope the Jets can be competitive in that game. That's that, that appears to be a very tough game with the way the Cowboys played yesterday against the Giants. Again, don't overreact. Don't overreact. Broncos only three and a half against Washington. So you know where I'm leaning on that one. I don't like the hook, but three and a half? Relatively long trip, elevation. You don't believe in Sam Howell? No. Adam Hill does. He thinks he's going to be great. I think I might take Washington there. All right. Uh, Dolphins, Patriots. Dolphins are two on the road at the Pats. Uh, Mac Jones threw for a lot of yards. He also had a tip ball come back for a pick six. What uh, Darius Slay, 70 yards. And next week is actually a double Monday night football. I don't really understand the concept on this. The game started at 4.15 and 5.15 our time. So there's two games going on at the same time. What's the point? Eyeballs. Hey, you're t- I, <laughs> I don't you're know. crossing over eyeballs. Saints, Panthers, Saints in Carolina are three. Browns at Steelers. Browns are favored minus one and a half. Should be more. Is that really? I'm all. I think that's going to be a very popular pick to take the Steelers over the Browns. Well, Browns are on the road. I mean, I know, I know it's not a long road trip, but Steelers are at home. They're getting one and a half. They played like crap against a great team yesterday. After what I saw, that's it. Overreact. You might be right. We'll revisit this next week. Um, some college look aheads. Like I mentioned, the uh, state schools UNLV is getting four from Vanderbilt at the Al. Nevada with a, just a terrible start. Not a lot of trust in the Wolfpack right now. Getting 28 against Kansas. San Diego State is going to Oregon State. They're getting 24. And by the way, did you see the crowd over the weekend for the UCLA game? No. UCLA didn't travel that well. San Diego State fans didn't show in great numbers. And then at the half, the students were like, this sucks. It's hot. We're leaving. So the local media guys, the one guy, Ziegler, who's Graney's buddy, um, he was tweeting out that basically it's the fans' fault. Then the fans responded to another guy, Kirk Kenny, who writes for the UT, and they're like, where's the shade? They continue to complain about it being hot and too sunny in San Diego in that stadium. They don't have enough cover. That's a very valid complaint. I don't really think it is. I'm sweaty and chubby, and I don't know, man. Just put on some sunscreen. I was boiling on the field. Like Michigan, it was a sunny day. It was probably like 75 degrees. I got a little bit scalded, and I'm like, just tough it out. So what? You're sweating. First off, you're being paid to be there. Because I was going to say, well, that, are you going to watch? That is a valid point, actually, because a lot of people fired on the both of the, both of the media members, but especially the one dude who was basically mocking on them for constantly complaining about no shade. Um, the ticket price of four San Diego State games, because they're not getting crowds, when the, the season starts, they come out of the gates and they're like, we got to make all the money we can. And against a Pac-12 team, we are going to charge a lot of money. And the ticket prices were very high. So, But, you know, you want a new stadium, you get this new 35,000-seat stadium, which is really nice. They're going to charge. By the way, what do you think was going to happen if they had made Power 5 and went to a Pac-12 when it existed? You're going to have you got to pay. It's your contribution to the program to compete at that level. And while... People listening are like, what are you talking about? You cover UNLV and no one goes to those games. Yeah, the difference is the results haven't been that great for UNLV. San Diego State has been good. We'll say a top six program in the Mountain and uh, Pacific time zones. They've been good. 
And they're not winning national championships, but you're going to complain. And, of course, now they're down, so people are like, fire Hoke. So, anyway, that line is 24 with uh, San Diego State trying to compete now with Oregon State. I thought they would have a good chance. And Oregon State continues to be one of the uh, stories that you want to watch, right? Can you imagine if they challenge for the Pac-12 title and make a push for the CFP? I think it's a long shot, but they were left on the side of the road in this conference realignment. And they could really screw people up by winning more of these games. When they have that big conference meeting, you know, man, they just got to let them hang. You got two choices tonight. Go to Oyo, hang out with uh, Q for Monday Night Football. And same goes in Henderson. JBT is hanging out at Twin Peaks. Great specials, including lots of drinks under four bucks and two, four, and six on select appetizers at Twin Peaks on Eastern. We'll see.